Warning. The following show contains material that may not be suitable for children, Bible thumpers, or conservatives. Do not attempt to recreate any of the stories from the show as this may result in harm or anal tears. Viewer discretion is advised. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gay Bible. Hashtag Bible Gang. Hashtag Bible Squad. Hashtag Gang Gang. Uh, moo. I'm sorry. <laughs> Today we are joined with a very special guest that is near and dear to my whole, my heart, my heart. My guys, you guys know I have a trouble with the those two terms. I'm so sorry. I will try to be better. Today we will be talking about all things sex, love past mistakes, life lessons, and most importantly, identifying the signs of an emotionally toxic and physically abusive relationship. Full discretion, this episode will be talking about domestic violence, except we are going to be taking this conversation a step further with specific things that are rarely talked about. Though you may have been taught how to identify an abusive relationship, however, doesn't come close to knowing the tips and tricks and exiting yourself out of that situation in a healthy and safe way. We will be talking about how to protect yourself legally from your abuser while also making sure they regret ever laying a fucking finger on you. Okay, girl, you know the fucking drill. Are you going to be a disciple or stay anonymous? Disciple, baby. No fucking way. Disciple. Oh my God. Dedicated. Guys, this is kind of crazy because we had a... I mean, we had talked last night about being in the interview and she was like, you know what? I think for right now, I am, I think I'm only can do, I think I can only stay anonymous. And it's been a fucking surprise because now you're saying you want to be a fucking disciple. Mm -hmm. So state your, state your fucking name. Savagey. Savvy G is in the fucking goddamn house. I'm so excited that you are here and that you decided to spend your day with me. Of course. We spend so many days together. <laughs> Don't you love it? I absolutely love it. I wouldn't spend it my day anymore. Two crazy else. bitches together. What do you get? So much laughter. <laughs> get kicked out of every single bar you go to. Yes. <laughs> okay, so in saying this, how the fuck do we know each other? A tall tale of far abode, humble kingdoms and treacherous knights and pretty princesses. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he cast a spell on me, to be honest, with his wizardry magic. Okay, so it's actually pretty funny with how everything happened. So we were in health class and we sat at like a long table um, in the back left part of the room. And the tables were kind of adjacent to the walls. 
And so the teacher sat in the very front of the room and her name was Miss Robinson, about four three. Um, would always wear uh little clogs or she had her like, she heels. Had her, yeah, she had her glasses she and she was very cute. She was a adorable gray hair like sassy yes didn't take shit from nobody nobody she was straight up say it she was very i mean you're a sex ed teacher like you're of course you're gonna be chill you're not gonna be a piece of shit um so i so this is this is representation just to like give an idea of what we saw when we first met each other so jake was six four very big tall muscular handsome white man and i you know you don't see very many of those he looked probably 30 when he was a freshman wait what do you see we we went to an all-white school i know but you were like (laughs) abnormally handsome oh yeah like definitely like not a sore thumb, but like a really glistening, beautiful thumb. Oh, wow. I've <laughs> never been described sense. as that. I yes, like that. Yes, and you wore like short little shorts and like knee-high socks and like stupid button-up shirts <laughs> and Bermuda shorts. It was so funny. And your arms round, they were just like, you know, big and juicy. muscular, juicy. And so he hadn't, he had not come out yet. So that's what he looked like. And for me, I had like a three-foot diameter like like the radius of my hair was like three foot like huge blonde afro full head of hair i didn't y'all it was big it was a very big and i accompanied that with like tons of highlight like bold everything uh really really statement clothing heels like the full shebang very feminine she looked like a gold a a gold brick yeah pretty much and uh people loved it i loved it um definitely iconic for like that's (laughs) that school had never really seen anything like me and multiple people told me that multiple you were special you were something that stuck out like a sore thumb but in the best positive yeah like this was an all-white school you know everyone wore birkenstocks like american eagle uh hydro flask patagonia backpack you know my daddy drives a porsche type yeah, drove shit. fancy ass fucking cars yeah exactly like like nice stuff but like no flavor and so he he's already sitting at the table like in health class and then i walk in and this is like the first day of fucking school mm-hmm. in high school and lots of stares i'm like oh my god stop like <laughs> so i sat next to him well we were not we didn't sit we, by each we, other at first we were forced to sit by each other yes we were forced to and he was not happy about it and i was like oh my god like he's cute like whatever like obviously i want to talk to him and so we began talking and it just didn't stop and eventually we had to get separated like in the following i think it was like a week there's miss robinson was like i'm fucking done with you both like move across the room and then what ended up happening is she moved me across the room i became homies at everyone with everyone from that table and then we were hella loud then and i had to be moved again you're just rowdy i know i just made everyone laugh and they couldn't it was great but um that's kind of how we met i had the biggest crush on him for absolute ever i had the biggest crush on him for like the first two three months of our friendship and then something clicked in my head and i was like some wait 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 something's wrong something's not feeling this is a different kind of relationship so it came to me, I was like, maybe, maybe he is gay. And then we had that conversation where 
I found out that he was and he was just was, wasn't comfortable with coming out. And I was like, oh, babe, we're going to help you with this. Like, this is going to be great, you know. And like with Anacortes, it's not like being gay wasn't OK or anything like you that. You were ostracized. You though. were very ostracized and you were like kind of secluded from the rest, like, you know, like pinpointed and stuff like that. So this is how I just would describe it. I didn't I didn't hide anything. And I could tell that you were hiding something. <laughs> Yeah. and you're you like you were hiding the fact that you were gay and i was like okay so we are complete opposites right now so let me bring you to my side mm-hmm. you know like let me help you like be more boisterous and get out there and like not care who you like not care what other people think and like you can do this and i'm always gonna be here with that health class it's sex ed so of course we're going to be talking about sex Mm -hmm. and so that is another huge gateway as to why we were so comfortable with each other in the beginning and so that kind of like knocked all boundaries and walls down for our friendship i'm excited to tell you how i'm like my first interpretation of you was i remember i was so nervous it was a new school a new school year I had to move schools at this point because I was outed at my other one. <laughs> and that was the type of school where if you you are different, you're getting the shit kicked out of you. You are getting thrown in dumpsters. It was a very dangerous situation. So I would drive 45 minutes every single day both ways. So it was it was a lot of driving. Just to evade, you know discrimination for you know being a homosexual like yeah so i would drive all that way to anacortes and this was a brand new start for me so i was like we are in the closet we have built a totally different identity yeah we watch what we say we watch how we say it we speak in a deep tone voice nobody can know anything about me no one can know who i was at my old school nothing Mm -hmm. so walking to that health class that was like one of my first classes and I sat in the back, head down, and everybody was getting to know each other. Everybody was reuniting with their old friends that they haven't seen since summer. And with the head head down, mm-hmm. you came to the room loud as fuck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who the fuck is this bitch? Mm-hmm. And the first thing in my head, I was like, please don't sit by me. Please don't sit by me. I'm trying to be low-key as fuck. Mm-hmm. And we all lined up in the room. And Miss Robinson, our teacher, she was like, okay. I got to sit where she assigned me and then she's like, Savannah, go sit by them. And I was like, fuck. Fucking bitch. Fuck. Fuck you, bitch. And we sat by each other and because I had never met somebody like you before. But then our relationship just bonded in such a beautifully and organic way where it's just like, I don't even consider you a friend. I consider you a sister. Family. Family. Absolutely family. And... We had so much fucking fun in that class. The other thing I wanted to talk about is what happened in that sex ed class. Can we talk about the posters that we had to make? So basically describe to the people that are listening. In health class, we had to make these sex ed posters to, they were kind of like, don't have sex without a condom or stay abstinent. So we had to make these rhymes. So mine was, uh, I thought it, and it had to rhyme and you had to make a poster with pictures and everything like that. Um, some people's posters were, um, don't get on your knees cause flies carry disease. Yeah. Right. I was, th- I, I was thinking it was, um, 
don't be a sleaze stay off your knees and they would like draw a picture of this chick like from the waist down giving a blowjob <laughs> on the fucking on the fucking high school poster that would go up in the hallways one of the posters that i made was um i thought it rhymed at the time so anybody that's God listening forbid. please don't judge me what did i say savannah i said don't pop your cherry unless you want a baby. This nigga said it rhymed and was so convinced. The whole class <laughs> thought he was like autistic. And even Miss Robinson was like, bitch, no, it fucking doesn't rhyme. Like, you're wrong, Jake. <laughs> and I was getting so heated at the time because I had worked so hard on this poster. And I was like, guys, it fucking rhymes. It fucking rhymes. Okay. Well, do you remember yours? Netflix and chill then go see dr phil <gasps> like that's yes. what it was it was like pff, end up like bad baby or like one of the you are not the father like Jerry maori shit yeah like don't be a hoe i don't know. know just looking back at that class like what do you think personally in your life like what if we would not have met do you think your life would be different would it just have continued normally like what do you think i know a lot of people say this but i probably wouldn't be here I can say that too. Yeah, like genuinely. Suicide brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know how you love each other. You. <laughs> no, bro. I would not have made it like wholeheartedly. I would not have made it. I'm like looking back at like the head, some of the head spaces and like periods of time that my life and like what I was experiencing, what I was going through. And like 100%, 100%, bro. Like, something would have happened like there was a cut there's of course like everyone has close calls whether it's like you're in a situation and you almost die or you put yourself in a situation and you almost die or you could have died or like if any something else happened that that would happen like i would i would have probably put myself in a lot more dangerous situations because you definitely influenced me more to like like just be smarter about what you're doing like take care of yourself but i would just say with that i i would say that we both influenced each other because at this time when i had moved to anacortis completely it was just me and my mom because my dad was no longer in the picture so it mm -hmm. was just me and my mom and anybody that's been in a situation where it's just you and a single parent and they are working full-time and they are stressed out and it's you know life is expensive that parent most of the time is going to take out most of their frustrations out on you. Mm -hmm. And when that would happen, you were the first per I would always get in my car. I would rush to your house. We would do a fucking cry session. Mm -hmm. You would just build me up. In each other's arms. Yeah. And you would just build me up and we, and then I would leave your house just feeling like head held high, totally healed. So in those situations and from that period of just utter chaos like i can just look at you and just say thank you thank, thank you. you thank you bitch i love you bitch i love you bitch i love you too bitch <laughs> okay so i do want to talk about something that's pretty important and we know we talked about it last night what was it like growing up in an all-white high school well i would say that like day-to-day -day and like what people would say to me and like what i heard and all that it was definitely passive-aggressively negative. Like microaggression? Yeah, absolutely. But for me, it was positive because I knew these people were doing these things. And, of course, I acknowledged, analyzed them. And typically, I would correct them on their bullshit because I was abnormal. I was not someone who was going to take anything for, you know, any reason because I was raised by a very, very like pro-black woman like everything like we had a black christmas tree black santa claus black jesus like 
like Bible that had like you know everything was like all these uh our child child books like childhood books and movies and stuff all had were African American based because my mom wanted to focus our culture on on us like bedtime stories were stories about uh like Rosa Parks and Malcolm X and Rodney King and so she really had no interest in adopting that white culture that has always just been pushed upon people of color absolutely yeah she was like not for it at all like she was like this is how this is how the world is like you are beautiful and she showed me that black people are beautiful because I am mixed I am half technically half white my mom has a couple things on her side uh, apart from being african-american but i came out relatively light i would say yellow <laughs> like a yellowish orange and my mom is significantly darker than me um if we're gonna do like a shade by shade comparison and then like my brother is also pretty dark in comparison to me so it was very weird. And I feel like that definitely, unfortunately, it helped how people acted towards me. But it didn't stop them from thinking that saying and doing certain things and kind of targeting and singling me out as that only African-American person in the like, friend group. Like seeing if their jokes could like how far they could push their jokes on you. These yeah, microaggressional like, jokes. Yeah, they would say like nigga and stuff as like a hundred pound white girl. Like in the beginning I was like, cause I had never experienced this before. I was like, okay, like if you're really cool, like I'll, I'll allow you to say it. And I know a lot of people can relate to this maybe in their childhood. Like it like, it makes you more accepting. It makes you feel like people look at you better almost Mm -hmm. by letting them say it this was when i was like young and dumb you know of course now not a chance you know i'm gonna punch you in the face so like they would say that or they'd make jokes or if something like we watch something in class and someone says black like it's revolving black people like i was the one to be looked at you know but i was the kind of person to blow a kiss back (laughs) if they looked at me and there was like we were talking about something like racism or whatever in class you know like what are you looking at you bitch like turn around cindy like <laughs> like you ain't ready for this staple mini stapler like holy christ well and the other thing that is crazy it's just like when i say we went to like pretty much an all-white high school even the can- black kids were white like whitewashed to be honest like the people of color who were there i think it was like 96 percent white um they were also predominantly i want to say like caucasian cultured like physically appearance like acting stuff like that you know like uh some of the a lot of the black girls like pretty much all of them unless they had very very short hair would straighten their hair every day damage it perms you know all that stuff and i i know i wasn't about that life like why hide how beautiful your hair is like why put on lighter foundation like these girls would do this stuff and so what i would do is i would try to enlighten these other minorities like dude like embrace your skin color embrace your culture like embrace your blackness mm-hmm. like your blackness latinoness your asianness like anything you know just like be happy who you are and like you are beautiful like you are more cultured than 96 percent of the people who walk these halls one thing i will say about anacortis is it is changing for the better i mean we have our first fucking transgender teacher and when i found out this happened i was like yes anacortis needs that 
needs that shock, needs that influence that just because somebody is different from you doesn't mean that you don't owe them the same respect, kindness, love. It just like makes me want to cry. Like we needed that, man. So everything that I've said previously, that is regarding like the first two years of high school. Middle of my junior year, I had an awakening. And it was a crazy, crazy, crazy awakening. I connected all the dots as like my actions during my childhood, my mental attractions and like what I was sexually attracted to and whatnot. Because I'd always done guys, you know, like I was in a pretty committed relationship all, all throughout high school for like four, four and a half years um, and loyal to that person, you know, Um I figured out that I like females and I like them a lot. So I went from looking like beyond, literally Beyonce and Austin Powers every day in school. Like that's how I would dress like and everyone else was wearing Birkenstocks. Like <laughs> that is honestly the best way I would have described you Beyonce in that Austin Powers movie. Yep. Even the ha- hair color and everything. So I went from that to re- coming to terms with my bicep. Like the fact that I really, really like enjoyed women like. You know, I was probably looking at titties and ass more than most women. So, you know, I just connected the dots. And so what I did, I shaved off half my hair in like a super awesome like haircut. Also, because I had a lot of hair and it was honestly too much and it was a struggle. So doing that was probably the best thing I had ever done. And I completely changed my style. I went to like, you know, the men's section like of like Zoomies and Vans and, like, you know, all this cool, hip, like, crazy-looking art stuff. Like, ripped jeans. Like, I confused a lot of people. Oh, I confused yeah. a lot of people. <laughs> I I literally had men and women coming at me. And it was very weird. People, like, in high school asking me for threesomes. And I'm like, what the hell, dude? You're like, what time? Uh, when no, and where? I was not. I could not. I could have not. And I was dating, I was dating uh, him. The big boy. But it was new though because it's like when I was when I saw you walking up the steps, you had boxer like you were wearing the baggy like Billy Eilish vibe, baggy ass clothes, boxer briefs, like mm-hmm. shaved head, chains, like it was like the vibe that you were portraying was I'ma fuck you and your bitch. Yeah. That was exactly your what mama it was. and your daddy. Yo- <laughs> yeah, like well, what it was like. And the cool thing is just like even though you your style still evolved. Because originally, like, it was just full-blown, like, very masculine, very, like, I'm a fuck you and your bitch. Mm-hmm. But then it adopted some of your old feminine looks, and it just morphed feminine with manly. And that's what I think really caused people to be like, this is so new. Like, the style that you – I honestly – I don't know how – did you get any inspiration from anybody you saw or were you just like, this looks good. This looks good. This is mine. I was honestly very inspired by the artists that were really big back when we were in high school, such as, like I said, Travis Scott, Lucy Vert, Trippy Red, uh, Don Tolliver, X. Like I was super duper inspired because I was like, oh, these like shirts and these pants and the shoes, like. These are so much more my style versus like the frilly, like lace revealing stuff. Like this is comfortable. Like I can look absolutely amazing and wear like sweatpants and a sweatshirt that have a really cool pattern on them with like some Air Forces. Like how comfortable is that? Okay. So 
deep breath. So now that we know who you are, your personal evolution and your growth, I want to know what was your childhood like? Did you have the cookie cutter white picket fence with two loving parents, a loving brother? What was your childhood like? So the dynamic of my childhood is very odd. And when I mean odd, I mean like not normally seen day to day. So all throughout my childhood, we got anything and everything we wanted within moderation. You know, necessary. A necessary want. We were probably just to like give an idea to we were the top 10% of American families. In terms of money, my... Really? Yes. My um, mother is a teacher, and then my father is a uh, Alaska Airlines pilot. So that kind of set the bar. And my parents are significantly older than normal parents. So just to give an idea, I'm 20 years old right now. My mother is soon to be 59. Looks hot as fuck, though. Looks very... She looks like she's in her 30s. Like, sorry, beautiful black that, woman. I just said that about your mom. <laughs> yeah, my, I know. Just obsessed. He's obsessed just with my mom. You Just imagine a very powerful, badass woman. She's very, 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 very powerful. And she's been a single mom for roughly five years now. And we've maintained our... She has maintained our position in the top 10% of Americans. So... I grew up with a wealthy mother and a wealthy father. My mom is African-American and my dad is white. And so that that's unusual. You know what I'm saying? They both very college educated, smart, rational people that made smart decisions, have property, have like toys and this and that and take care of their children. My mom what put us. What kind of toys? Uh, Sex toys? Like a Wii, <laughs> like a Wii Fit. Oh. 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 <laughs> or... Uh, what I don't even know. You got that fat fucking boat in your garage. Yeah, the big ass boat. But a lot of my childhood was residing. Unfortunately, it was residing in fear. To be honest, because as my dad was a pilot, he wasn't here a lot of the time. You know, he'd be gone for two, three days, up to two weeks at a time. And so it was me, my mom, and my brother, and like that was a happy household. Like things were good. And when he'd come home. He, it was absolutely terrifying because we never knew what was going to happen, what he'd be mad about. This man is very, very cheap. Got, he had, we literally had to call the police over him, like breaking a a glass door and like punching a wall over a $5 pair of sandals he got like four years ago. This man makes above six figures a year. Like what? That, That Does that make any sense? Sandals over sandals like vandalizes your own home and scares a living like verbally abuses your family over sandals that you left at the airport or whatever you know and he was a drunk a functioning alcoholic let's just say that humongous childhood trauma which he used alcohol to compensate for and a raging narcissist like donald trump level insane narcissist right and my mom is fully with insanity more sane than 99 percent of the population very intelligent woman very intelligent and so he was very verbally abusive and he would only break our stuff he would only break and destroy things that he didn't pay for 
you know, and mind games, you know, being friends with the police. He was also in like the Navy, not the Navy, but the Air Force as well. So like there's connections and ties there, like military and whatnot, just like having all this money at your disposal, but you're a horrible, 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 evil person. He hurt us, man. Like that was a significant damper on like my, I w- not on my development. Well, honestly, yeah, it was because living in fear every day does kind of changes you. I stayed a lot of time in my room to avoid him. Um, he was a very scary individual and I couldn't really be around men that looked like him or around the same age as he was for multitude of reasons for a number of years after um, they, my parents got divorced just because the emotional abuse was absolutely horrible. It wasn't the worst in the whole world, but it was evil and conniving and articulated. He wasn't there a lot of the time, you know, and I've not seen him in about five years and I don't plan on ever seeing him again. Um, and that's by choice. So my parents dated for almost eight years before they got married. They had me in 2001. They got married 10, 11 years before that. So it was like 20 years before they had kids, like prior to like knowing each other. And he like nothing. There was like no red flags. Everything was fine. And then I came along and the attention was no longer completely focused on him. It was, oh, there's a baby now. And the attention is going to be mostly put on her. And then my brother came along and it got worse. Because now the attention really was not on him. Yeah. And your mom was probably, after having you and seeing how he reacted, your mom was probably emotionally already out the door. Exactly. And, like, he he literally said, I wish they came out darker. Why would he say that? I, tr- I ask myself that. But the most that I can try and describe the meaning behind that is so that he could not, he could claim that they weren't his. Or... They don't resemble him as much. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I mean, like I that doesn't make that's sense. Not the reason that doesn't because to me like that doesn't make sense to me. Why would you want your children? Like why not just love them for like what they came out as? Like did he say this to y- your mom, your brother, or you? I oh I heard his own mouth say it as well. Wow. Yeah. And so has there always after hearing that has there always been a little a level of rejection that you have been putting up with for a long time well it wasn't it wasn't like our father didn't like reject us my mom from the beginning instilled in our hearts and in our heads and our thought processes that the way that my father is the way that he acts and what he says has nothing to do with us there's nothing wrong with us this is how he was raised this is how his parents raised him this is who he was around when he grew up like well and and going back to your father's childhood we had a conversation with your mom this morning before this interview mm-hmm. where his parents taught him kindergarten songs yes. that were derogatory and we're towards- not ta- we're not talking like oh like whatever they would like the hard r was used in these songs by little white children in minnesota like neighborhoods like they'd go run down the street with balls in their hands and pl- on bikes, singing these freaking songs, making fun of like cotton picking N word and they like walnuts and pecans, they would call them N word toes and stuff like that. You know, his parents are racist to this day. That's the thing. When your mom told me that, I was like to looking at your mom and I wasn't going to say this, but I was like, were there no red flags? 
Like, was he not out? They were already married. Were, was he just suppressing that part of himself? There were no pretty much. There were practically no. Well, very, very subtle, almost non-action red flags. Like this person doing this, you would have no way to tie that this would happen later on. You know, like you can't trace it. You know, like someone completely normal might do these things, you know, stuff like that. There were no red flags until they were, I think, 11 years already married. But it was because at that point, because what I hear most of the time, whenever I talk to somebody that was married, had kids, I always ask them, how long were you married? And you know how I can tell that the parent just stuck stuck around for the kids? It's always the same thing. We divorced after 20 years of marriage or 18 or 20 years of marriage. And what that tells me is I stuck around for my kids. And when we, what we mean by I stuck around for my kids is that means I'm sticking around until one and or both of my children are above the ages of 12 years old, which is the, I think it's the age of you being able to, it's either 12 or 16 to legally have a voice in court to where you can voice what you want to do in your parents' divorce and your opinions and description of, of your parents. So if you're like nine or eight, the courts decide for you. You have no say, you know. So my mom did. There was a, it was the hardest thing watching her have to deal with this. And I acknowledged it and was able to understand how hard it was from a very early age. She did this to protect us because if she had done it when we were young, like under the ages of 12, 16, the chances of her losing her kids to him and her not having full custody or split custody were insanely high. Very, very high. Because we were the only people who witnessed that. My father being that like like that burning entire gas cans in front of the house and his family, I'm guessing, would have just backed him up the entire time because they, they were, did they did they were racist they had very they they didn't like my mom no because they were culturally indifferent or whatever like so much shady so much shady stuff so I I re- realized this and like this is a true thing this is a true story. So until I was, I think, 11, 12 years old, I did not know that there was more than one race of person. Really? Yes. With not Because I was stupid, it's because I saw my father, who was the color of paper, and I saw my mom, who's milk chocolate all the way, and I thought that they were the same thing, just different amount of printering. I thought everyone was the same thing, just different, you know, like, we're all one. Like, you're black, you're black, you're white, you're, you know, like, we're all, the, we're all a mix of all sorts of things, like why hate like i didn't understand racism at all it wasn't until i went to a like an old Harbor christian school where i was one out of only three black kids in the whole school it was like 600 kids i think in the whole school and this kid like like was being racist towards me because i proved him wrong on something i'm like nine right and he started calling me like black girl black skin like like you're like blah 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 nah, you know and I was like, wait, what? Kids are so fucking mean. That's I what like, I always forget. And like those, those, those years, especially like elementary school, kids are fucking mean. Yeah. And like when that, when he said that, I, I was, I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm so hurt. Like this is horrible. I literally like, I was so confused. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Cause this kid was, his name was Nathaniel. 
Um, oh, he we was can't ha- use real names on here. I'm just joking. I was like, this is a kid from, I don't, I don't even know who he is Can now. you imagine he hits you up? He's like, so I heard you were talking shit. Let's the shoe, go. If the shoe fits. <laughs> but um, this kid was Hawaiian, darker than me. And he was saying these things to me. And I was just like, you're, I literally said, you're stupid. Like to his face. I was like, cause I, this was the first time I had actually like openly, like someone had anyone openly been racist to me. And I was like, what the fuck? Cause like the way that I was raised, I like laughed in his face when he said that I literally laughed and I told my teacher and I got him, I think expelled. He wrote like a three page paper to me apologizing for what he did. Fucking good. Yeah. And this was in a school where I think most people were racist except for like a couple teachers and the principal. Principal was sick. Mr. Z, love you. Shout out. Yeah. So a question that I do have for you after doing all of this and analyzing all of this of your past, what is your relationship like your with your father right now? What relationship? <laughs> Bitch, where? There is none. I... So with him always being gone, with like me being a kid, it was all kind of almost... Like, my mom was a single parent to begin with. My mom primarily raised us. Like, it was, it was like 100%, like 99, 99, 99, 99, 99% my mom. And then the other 0.00001% was my dad. Like So he, he was just kind of at that point a roommate that was just a total he asshole. He was there. He didn't, we didn't really do thing, very many things with him. Like, we went fishing with him occasionally. But it got to a point where there were too many things that we just, like, you were so toxic. Like, we don't want to do anything with you anymore. Like, No. He's the reason why I will never get married. And I I promise, I promise you. Because if my parents were able to date for almost eight years, be married for almost 25, and this ended up like how it did, which is an absolute bloody mess, but we came out on top. It's not worth it in any way. No, that's just like the possibility of screwing myself over. No, not worth it. No, no one is worth it. To me, no one. Myself, I will marry myself because I know I will not fuck myself over and I will not do this and that to myself to try and hurt who I am. You know, after just listening to the story, I'm just going to say, like, your dad just exudes impish vibes. Fucking impish viber. I hate. Ugh. I hate. Right. And, like, growing up, I was taught and I was shown that women are the key. Women Women are are the key. Women are the kindest, most intellectually caring, like they are real people and they're like universally like over the whole bunch. It's more consistent. The future is woman. Yeah. If you find a good man, chances are he has good man characteristics. They're dignified as feminine characteristics, like showing emotion, being able to voice your opinion, crying, crying. You know, being vulnerable, you know, being honest. Those are all oftentimes feminine associated traits. But it's so hard because your dad was also living in the generation where the culture and still the culture right now, if you are a man and you cry, that is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. You are weak. You are half a man. You have no business crying and showing your emotion. They were beat for not finishing their food at the dinner table. Beat. Like, blood on the walls. You got to mop shit up afterwards. So, I, I do have like, a question, though. So, you do know some of your dad's childhood. So, are you able to differentiate, like, where it's, like, if he would have come from a different household, he your guys' relationship would have been completely different? Absolutely. Like, how much responsibility do you put on your father with how he is and how he turned out? 
I like where I put the blame. Hundred percent of blame is on his parents. They control him to this day. Really? To this day, huge manipulation. Like con, con man. Because how but old they're is like your dad? Eighty years old. Because my dad's fifty eight, almost fifty nine. He's fifty nine actually now. Wow. I think his birthday was a twenty fourth, something like that. <laughs> no celebration. Yep. Right. It's just like. His parents are like 80 something, like very controlling. And it's just, it's really hard to understand, like deal with. Fortunately for us, we did counseling to combat the childhood trauma and completely fixed it and healed from it. And we're able to rise above that. So it, like it won't affect, does not affect me day to day. I don't think about it. You know, it's in the past. I'm such a good, like, I love my life. There's nothing that I have to be negative about for any reason. And I'm going to rise above it. Because I'm more than the trauma. You are. And I can see that clear as day, especially as you have become older and you have progressed into a fucking woman. Yeah, life is beautiful. Well, and that's, a re- that's the reason why it's so beautiful to nourish and continue your relationships with people. Because there's nothing quite like seeing your your friend evolve into something that you can look at and be inspired by. I've literally watched you progress into such a woman, such a kind, motivated, responsible, learns from her mistakes woman. And it's so beautiful that I have been able to watch that. So I love you. I love you too. Okay, everybody. So now we're going to be moving on to a little bit more of why the fuck you came on this fucking podcast. So Savvy G, I want to hear the dirty. What dirty? I want to hear the dirty deeds. I want to hear the dirty details of your sex life because that's what this show is. So let's get going. First time you ever had sex. And what was that like? Okay, so first time that I've had consensual sex was five months into my four and a half year relationship in high school. Uh, I believe we waited like seven, eight months before we, you know, were to have sex or anything like that. We made it this whole big special thing, got a hotel, all that good stuff. Romantic. Um, Yeah, I know. I took his virginity. So that was like really, really awesome. I still love him to this day. I love him so much. Just like the best person. Like that is an ex that I'm a better person because of. And I can continue to be a better person like as they're in my life, like in the future. So that's really, really awesome. It was actually fantastic. Like it was so good. I remember it being like some of the better, like at that time, the best sex I had ever had. So first positions, like what was the first, what were the positions that you did? Was it very vanilla sex or did you just go full blown on well this i mean he was a virgin so oh, i okay. you know hit it from the back uh missionary that's like an amazing position you know from the side uh pick me up sort of thing not much of a writer i fucking hate writing not reverse cowgirl <laughs> what are you doing that's okay man? that's okay i don't like working oh you just do you like to just lay I'm there lazy. like uh no i don't just lay there i'm giving the man a show oh thank god or whoever is Oh, no, I definitely the worst times I've ever had sex are the times where this person's like, I'm not doing shit, nothing, nothing. And I'm Starfish. like, Starfish, I'm like, uh, OK, I'm not seeing you again, but I'll suck your dick, I guess, whatever. Oh, I'm already here. Sure. I already drove an hour mm-hmm. and a half. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely ridiculous. But like as I grew older, like my sex life is like became honestly something of dreams how did you learn to actually fuck what because it wasn't by porn or was it i've always been a very sexual person 
but how do you think you learned from it? Well, let's just say this. So when you're dating someone for four and a half years, you have a lot of time to explore, try new things, find out who you are and like try new things on each other and like, you know, actually like fall in love. Like I did. That was love. So you have been in love I have before. been in love. Yes, what I was, have. I asked this in a previous interview um, with our first disciple. I said, what is your version of love? Because everybody's is different. Mine is different and yours is going to be different from mine. So what is yours? It is a safe that's a really good word. With safety, you feel safe. In order to be safe, you have to be integratable. You know, you have to be like protective and like not in a bad way, but like like you look at that person and you genuinely feel joy, like your heart sings. How confident was your first love? Was he very confident in himself? What was he no, like? No, he was not. He was not. I think it took me two years to see him without his shirt off. Really? Yeah. Just because he was insecure, you know, and like it was very opposite because I'm, you know, birthday suit every day sort of person, like very, very confident. I have nothing to hide. And he wasn't. And I had to really kind of honestly bring that out in him. And it took a lot of chiseling in order to get that, you know, sculpture out. And I loved it. Like, he looked like a Viking, like beautiful. I love redheads. Oh, my God. I, beard. I, I love redheads. He had big bushy beard, like just red hair, like really nice hair, like beautiful red eyes, like not red eyes, blue eyes, uh, freckles, you know, charismatic because I don't know what, pretty old school in like how he was, had really good music taste and my God could make me laugh. And you know, a big old dick to prove it. Yes, he did. And I give him so much credit, like. Thank you for shaving my vagina. In that relationship, why do you think you two broke up and how did you break up? It was horrible. The breakup was horrible, but in hindsight, it needed to happen. So I went to his graduation, um, I think it was like June 19th or something like that. We'd already been having problems. And this is like at the very end. And then the next day was my graduation. I got a text and I was blocked on everything. What? Yeah. I had gave him flowers, like a whole bunch of stuff. It wasn't working like he was going to he was going to Arizona. I was going to college. We were both like exhausted and tired. Like we wanted to start our lives and we were kind of dragging each other down. And so, you know, I cried for a couple of days and I got over it and I got to work. I um, stopped smoking, stopped smoking and doing all that. C cigarettes? <laughs> cigarettes? No, the other stuff. <laughs> um, started making a lot of money at my job, really focused on that. Um, hung out with friends, went to a lot of raves, like bettered myself. Um, ended up seeing him a couple months after we broke up. Kind of was able, we were able to like realize like, oh, we can be friends. Because that's what we were before we were in a relationship. We were like best friends for like six months, you know? And so like, okay, so that's what, that's how it's going to be. Like we didn't base everything off of sex. Of course there's still sexual tension there. Have you guys had sex since? after since? Yeah. Yes. What was it like? I think was it was it, twice. Once or twice. What kind of sex would you describe it as? It was awesome. You know, like I have not felt that in a long time because at this moment, so far, that is the only person who I will be able to feel, like, love with if I'm going to actually have sex with someone. I'm single, by the way, so it's like... Single and ready to fuck. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> How many relationships have you been in, 
and explain a couple of them because watching you through that after that breakup, I think in that one year, I think you were in five different relationships and they were crazier than the next. I was so used to being in relationship all through high school that I kind of was like, okay, I don't know. I can't deal with being alone, really. And I feel kind of like unwanted and like not safe. I feel like vulnerable, you know, because after he was gone, I was like, I have no one to protect me if I need anything like. Because my brother wasn't very big at that time. And I was just like, oh my God, like, what do I do? And so after him, I got in a relationship that lasted like a month, found out he was cheating on me. I didn't even cry. I was like, fuck you. Like, no, I remember that relationship. That was when I was very hesitant with that individual. I was like, I'm not fucking with this person. I don't want to know this person. And then there was a day where I was like, you know what? I met him. I was like, you know what? He's a homie. I'll hang out with him the next fucking week. He did that. Like, you found out he was cheating. And I was like, God fucking damn it. I got attached. I know. He was funny and everything, but whatever. Gave me a really cool skateboard. Thanks. Well, continuing from that relationship, I want to tell the audience about even your mom till this day still refers to this individual as homeless boy. What's the story? So story was, I think it was 2018. I know 2019 pride. 2019 pride. Very beautiful individual. Let's just get that out there. We're talking like very golden skin tone, like blue green eyes, curly, like African-American blonde hair. To be honest, like look like Simba from Lion King. Um, It was like Arabic and Moroccan and African-American and like Irish and all these different things. And like when we were at Pride, you know, didn't notice anything alarming or anything but like as we like progressively hung out which he lived in everett so i had to drive all the way to everett so a week after we started hanging out and we were like i was driving down there after work or before work and all my days off um he said oh my god my cousin just kicked me out of my of her apartment like i am now gonna have to go and stay with my grandmas or like at friends and stuff like that and i was like Okay, why don't you have your own place? He lied about lied to me about finishing high school. He s- said that he graduated to me, but then later on admitted that he didn't. And I was like, okay, fuck you. And would kind of use the fact that he didn't have like a job. I was like, oh, it's just like, it's like a phase, whatever. I'm like, I'm having fun. So who cares? And he's cute. And it, and it was summer. And it was summer. So yeah, like hot cares? girl summer. And like he was just super, he started acting weird. And then I found out that he like did Molly on a Monday morning at like 11 a.m. And I was just like, okay, dude, like no more. That ain't cute. Yeah, it's weird because his nut like was the best tasting I've his ever nut? had. Ew. Oh, you're, super an, weird. you're a nut eater. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> I'm not. That was just like, like that didn't taste, it didn't taste bad and it didn't smell like anything. So like, I was like, okay, I can do it. But like all the other people I'd been with previously, no, it was not the same. I hate Hate the taste of cum. The first time I ever let somebody nut in my mouth, it tasted like fucking chalk and, and metal. It is so gross to me. But I've never honestly tasted a good nut before. It tasted so, like water. It literally was like water. It what, literally it didn't taste like Coconut milk? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of coconut watery. It was like really weird. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're eating, bro, but most of the time... Molly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Molly Straight tastes, Molly. That's Molly tastes, tastes so great good. in cum. <laughs> cut, that with a little, cut that with a little pineapple juice. You right. Most cum, most cum smells and tastes like pancake mix. And mo- most of it tastes like like flour, pancake mix, like kind of like 
corn. Ew. Like skin. It's Ew. like gross. This is why I don't fucking eat cum. Yeah, and I just remember, I remember your mom because she was so mad at that whole situation that relationship she just would she wouldn't even refer to him as his name that was not in her vocabulary she was just like so were you hanging out with homeless boy again and i just remember being in the kitchen and being like holy shit this bitch is savage (laughs) she very unlike her she outwardingly outwardingly expressed how much she did not like this man this was two weeks how did she ever meet him no thank god (laughs) but you i remember one night you sent me a snapchat and you were like yo i just fucked him and she you had a you had that little beamer car at that time and you were like i just had the best sex of my life in my car and then i go in your car like literally the next time and i was like i swear to god there's like so much come on this fucking there's so much come there's come stains all over you're like it's coffee i was like no it's not what is your stance on dating I have to know you for a long time before. Like at this point, if I want to pursue you as a relationship, I'm not having sex with you for months. Really? Yeah. That's new. I've yeah. never I've never heard you have that kind of like new ideology about that. Dude, sex is such a dominating, it's such a plaguing thing. People make it a plaguing thing. You know, I want to stimulate you mentally and spiritually and psychologically not just you know physically you know because like i'm such an emotionally attached person but i control completely who i'm emotionally attached to and it's like 100 percent loyalty to you like 100 percent. and i need that in return and i need to verify that i want to talk to you about your domestic violence situation or as much as you can legally talk about right now because I know you're still in the court proceedings and the lessons you learned and any information you can give people that may have may find themselves in the same situation. If anybody doesn't know, yeah, we can't legally. There are some things that we can't talk about um, for legal purposes, but you were in a domestic violence situation and that wasn't that was just this last year. And I feel like you speaking about this and you feeling so okay with talking about this will really help people not only identify an abusive relationship but in a smart way get out of that situation while not getting fucked over and in fact fucking the other person over that decided to touch you yeah and or if because like people plan and plot and if you're not exposed to conniving evil people you're not gonna know that they're conniving and that they're plotting and planning to screw you over there's so like there's so many red flags first off find out what kind of childhood someone had and how they're dealing with it now also get very drunk with them oh yeah get, get them just very shit, like get plastered. very before you date someone get very very drunk with them and or rather let them get very very drunk and like you be like fully coherent and whatnot like you were just pretending to toss the shots back but they're just water yeah yeah <laughs> or like you could be dd and you guys go to a party and then they get drunk or something and you come home or you go to a friend's house because issues in their head chances are that those will be vocally expressed that you know they wouldn't say sober that's that's gonna happen and serious like listen to that because you might be in for similar shit man Another huge thing, pay attention how someone takes care of themselves. Put, put, put yourself in a situation where you can see how they take care of themselves. So like that would revolve around going to where they live. What does their room look like? Morning care. Yeah. What does their room look like? What does their house look like? 
uh what is their bathroom that's another huge thing how does their bathroom look like because if they gave a fuck that'd be a clean bathroom my bathroom is clean like what are their teeth like you can tell a lot by someone's smile what do their teeth look like are they yellow run if they're not super yellow don't run like maybe stick around and find out what's going on um but the thing with that is say it's somebody has perfect hygiene takes care of themselves they are the ideal person because sometimes there are those situations where they were like i didn't even see it coming like this person was a perfect individual like what would you say what is another way that you could tell if somebody is abusive even if they don't check off all the boxes that you have just said if they try and manipulate situations by using words in order to get you to do something that you kind of make you feel like you don't have a choice or make you feel bad into doing something. How they talk to their parents, another huge thing. It also depends on who their parents are. If their mom's a bitch and they talk to their mom like she's a bitch, you know, that might be a little bit alarming. What is their relationship with their siblings? What did they do in high school? What do they do on their time off? Another thing, run them by your friends. And I don't just mean like every friend you've ever had, like your group of loyal till death to us part kind of people who you trust their opinion and you know that they're rational and that they are looking out for you and they wouldn't want anything bad to really happen to you because um, that's a huge telltale you know because if you're at that significant other or person who you're trying to make your significant other like do this all before you guys start dating run tests you know like don't go into this blindly bro because there are so many stones left unturned that you like you don't know what's under it It could be a shell it could be a fucking spider like on the other end if they are kind of like withdrawn and awkward and they really just don't know what's going on and they don't really make an effort at all for whatever reason they could be socially awkward but it's like you know try they're socially awkward and then i feel like there's there's like that cute socially awkward and then there's the kind where it's just like you something's wrong with you there's something quite not right like you just look at the person you're like every time you look at them you're just kind of like what what are you thinking about i feel like you're judging me i feel like you think everyone hears like something else you know so well and i think another thing for individuals specifically that are young i remember i was in this stage i was so obsessed i was in love with the idea of love and it made me kind of collect my bouquet of red flags and totally throw them out the fucking window because I didn't care. You, do, you don't care. You when don't you're care in love when sometimes. you're in, when you're in love. You want to be in love. You're in the situation where you are clinging on to this idea of love that you kind of throw out the the checklist, the red flags. You don't care, but then you get into it, and then it completely can change your life. And sometimes for the worst. I would say a lot of the times for the worst it can. Anytime that you are interested in someone, just want, always think this. It is better to be single than to wish you were. Be 100% sure. You're not, you're not gonna get up and move your life somewhere else if you're not 100% sure that the life that you're moving to is better. Why would you move? Why would you stay? take a step down when i hear that people are dating and they're about to move in together which is so scary because i've always had the deep belief that you should not be moving in with somebody until 
at least a year after you have been with this somebody, if Even not that. more. If like I would not move in with somebody unless I was engaged to somebody. That's what I'm saying. Like you have your own pads. You know, you can have roommates and stuff like that, but have your own place. Have like, your own life. Go over to each other's houses. Have your own space. Because the moment someone else is in your space, that automatically becomes your like ours. Mm-hmm. You know, they can do what they want because it's their space too. You know, and sometimes you're not going to be comfortable with them doing something and like vice versa. Like you just protect yourself. Don't put your like you have to if you need to get out of a situation, you can. Okay, and if you have your own place and if you have your own independent area to like you can run home to and be safe in, you always have an escape plan if things go wrong. You don't have to fix and compensate and stress and rush to try and find out what am I going to do it's you just delete and keep on going the number one thing that scares me the most when I talk to people that are in relationships is they are in love with each other but the second I know a relationship is going to be very good or it's going to go south is the second that they bring up a financial aspect of this. So a situation of this would be, yeah, we're moving in together. I'm so excited. The rent is going to be so much cheaper. The second, the second your partner says that, or you hear somebody else say that, that's when your eyebrow needs to start. Raise. It, it, it rose. It rose from the fucking dead like Jesus motherfucking Christ. Guys, it's a relationship. Why would you ever want to mix finances with that? And that's what people do with marriage. Oh, it's going to be so nice. The tax benefits, the health insurance. It's like, bro, that's not love. It can end in hell. You may feel like you know someone. You have no idea. No. You have no idea. My father was able to hide that for 20-something years. Man, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really just got to keep your eyes open. Just educate yourself. Like, listen to what is being said. How they're talking. Don't rush. Just... If you feel like you are rushing or what we have just said are the signs that you are rushing, really reevaluate why you might be rushing. If in the back of your brain you are thinking, well, I got to I gotta lock it down or he's going to get bored or, he, or she's going to get bored and she's going to take off, that's an immediate cause for concern. Yeah. And talking about identifying somebody that may be abusive, what happens if you are in that situation as somebody who has been in that situation? What do you do? Be, always be. If you're in that situation and you are the victim, my best piece of advice is get the first word. And when I say that, don't just sit and think about what you should do. Do it. Plan it out. Like start moving your stuff gradually to a safe place. Like if they attack you, be the first one to call the police. Why? Because if they get the first word in and they alter their story, like it could be complete lie and all the evidence ties into not what they said. They're going to be put into accountability first, and you may have to wait months in order for that to be corrected by the courts. You can criminally suffer for something that you didn't do just because you didn't pick up the phone first, because based on how the domestic violence and relationship laws work. So it's whoever in a domestic violence situation, they have to take someone to jail, and whoever calls the police first and gets the first word in, they believe. And... That's that's who that's what the police report will be based off of. The other person notices that you're trying to leave. That can be mean like they're going to rebound. So if you've truly been like, I can't do this anymore. Wait until they go to work one day. 
and it's like your day off or you call out unexpectedly, leave all your stuff, everything. Get friends, you know, bring more cars, get your family in on it. They're at work. They have no idea. Leave. And everything's cleared out by the time that they get home. That's honestly what I should have done. I should have done that like three in the morning, just got all my shit and left. Um, But that is probably the most, that's the safest way to do it genuinely if if somebody's abusive if they get any type of retaliation or rejection or don't think that they're going to be nice about it because that is a threat and if you leave and if you plan to leave and that financially fucks them over because you know you financially relied on each other in this whole relationship thing like an apartment or a house or something like that they can get violent and they can get like scared They can retaliate. They can retaliate. And that's where a lot of women get really badly hurt and or killed because Uh, I mean, that wasn't too far. I almost died. Yeah, Yeah, I almost died, dude. I thought I was going to die that night, to be completely honest. And I'm happy to be alive. It could have gone a lot worse. Well, I'm just happy that you're here. I'm very happy to be alive. It's the best I've ever been. I think in talking to you and looking at the silver lining of this is I can look at you and I know that you can look at yourself and be like, I will never let it ever get to that point again because you have made a checklist for yourself. And I've seen you use this checklist after this person and you were like too many check marks on that fucking paper and you were like, I'm out, I'm sorry. I know that you got into another relationship not even a relationship, no. but what would you describe? A fling. A fling, but it was with a woman. Female, it was with yeah. a female, your first female. And I kind of excluded the possibility of a bitch being crazy because it was a female and it was different. And I was like, oh my God, it'll be so much more understanding. Like, we'll be able to understand each other. Like, the chances of this going bad are, like, very low. Well, and that was that was the thing because I remember having a conversation with you and you were so sure you were just like, this is a woman, like nothing could, there's not very naive. It's not going to be possible for a female to female relationship to ever be abusive. It's not going to be toxic. You thought switching to women was going to be the answer to your problems, Mm -hmm. but take us through that and how you, what happened and what, what you learned from that. What I learned, I learned from it, like really take the time to get to know someone. Another very helpful tactic. I got them drunk and they gave me the answer. You were scared after that. I was terrified. I was like, I'm having PTSD, bro. Like, this is so much for me right now. Like, you like what you just said to me is so far from what reality is and so far from where I'm at mentally that I was I was overwhelmed. I was dramatically overwhelmed. I was like, this is so much. And I don't think I will ever not see it as so much with you. Like you stretched me the fuck out. And but now, you got out of that situation in the most healthiest yeah, way. Yeah, we talked about it. You had a very mature conversation. Mm-hmm. And what was that conversation for people that don't know how to have that kind of conversation? It was like, I want to talk about last Saturday uh, when you were drunk and about the things that you said. Do you remember anything that you said? And she was like, I don't really remember that much. And then I was like, okay, here's the things that you said. And then I, you'd name them off um, and then say, okay, I want you to know that these words that you said like really alarmed me and in which the matter you did, th- did it with. I was very overwhelmed. Uh, I felt like my time was wasted. And I feel like I'm really not ready for that much responsibility right now because I feel like there's still ripening of the fruit that needs to happen. And I'm not going to pick it. 
if it's not ripe, you know, it's not going to taste good. <laughs> Savvy G, do you have any last confessions that you would like to make? Something that has always just been bottled up and you have been ready to get that shit out. <laughs> Bo bottled up in my pure little heart. I wanted to hang out with a really good friend of mine on their birthday and they said that, oh my God, like I want to hang out with you too. I'm going to go hang out with some other people for now and I'll be able to hit you up later. And this was like 11 a.m. And so like, it's like 2 p.m. now. I'm like, hey, like, what are you guys doing? Like, can I hang out? You know, like I'm trying to think of what I can do or make her for her birthday. And so in the meanwhile, while I'm waiting for her response for six eight hours mind you she's literally telling me to text the people that she's with in order to talk to her about hanging out what like what the fuck like this is like she's like go talk to her oh talk to this person like i'm having to talk to all so many people for no reason like this is stupid and so while i'm waiting i'm literally painting her a picture of her pet frogs right like with like expensive nice paints and paintbrushes that like I have because I care like I care about you like you're a friend of mine and I'm doing inside the kindness of my heart and then they all apparently all went to a friend's house like their apartment um where their mom lived because they were they're a little bit younger than I am and they still live with their parents I asked hey when can I come over and then I was told, let me talk to the girls about what they think. And I was like, okay, the fuck? And that took about 30, 40 minutes, and it's already like 8 o'clock now. So by this time, it's like 8.40. And then like she gets back to me, and she says, hold on, I need to talk to this person's mom now. And so that now it's 9 o'clock by the time I actually get an answer. And, and in the meantime, you're literally seeing all their, which is the fucking worst. I'm seeing their stories, like shotgunning white claws or whatever like hanging out in the kitchen or whatever like in between not texting me like oh i can obviously tell you're checking with the girls if it's okay for me to hang over as you fucking shotgun some trulies like whatever um it's like i'm seeing these stories like this is so shady this is so childish which if you're gonna literally like exclude somebody from any kind of hangout at least have the respect to block them from your story yeah like you invited me I didn't invite myself. You invited to see me today. This is making no sense. So it's nine o'clock. Like I'm already in like bedtime clothes. Like I'm not ready to go anywhere really. And like comfortable shit. And so I'm like painting. I'm painting the fro picture of the frogs. And I'm like pretty decently far along. And then I get a text message saying that this person's mom. This is the stupidest fucking bullshit rule ever. My mom, my, this person's mom, the house that they were at doesn't, won't, doesn't want people that she doesn't know past 10 p.m. staying the night or whatever. So it was already nine o'clock. So you still had to get ready and then you would have had to drive over there. You would have only been able to stay for 20 minutes. Yeah, like 20, 30 minutes. And I was like, I literally was like so fucking pissed. I was like, I literally reserved so. my entire day for your birthday and you gaslight me until the last fuck you waited until the last you knew this like you knew 10 p.m. was the cutoff point but you gaslighted me until it I could only stay for 20 30 minutes like you just like in and out like fine so you already knew at a certain point you were like I know what you're fucking doing like I've done this before like I've done this before I've seen this before like I know what you're fucking doing we're not just friends like we've been through shit together like so for a long time so in a situation how could she have handled it she could have said 
maybe we can have another day. I want to spend my birthday with my really close friend instead of like wishy-washy gaslighting text messages. They straight up told me what's going on. Like, is there, did I do something wrong? Is there something, is there an issue? Instead of trying to beat around the bush, like be direct. Like, I'm not mad. Like, I don't care. Like, you doing that, I'm not I'm not gonna look at you the same after that. So that's your doing. There's no really, there's no excuse for that situation because she you never reached out. You gotta come back a lot harder. Yeah, you actually like that's that involves an apology. But you know what? I've heard this from multiple people before because it's like, guess what, guys? You might be look, you might be hearing the story and being like, okay, well, this is like, this sounds like a young problem situation. Guys, no, no, this happens to adults that are like in their 40s, 50s. It happens forever. High school never ends. It just evolves into different forms. So in that situation, be very upfront, communicative. Do not be confrontational. Just call it out how you see it. So this is the very last question, everybody. Woo! Woo woo! How would you describe yourself now? How would you describe yourself as an individual or as an entity to somebody that's never met you? A rational, level-headed, loving person and prob probably the best friend you'll ever have. And if you're willing to take that and run with it, we can take it and run with it. But I don't do childish stupidity and ignorance like delusional anything like that so don't waste my time truthful you will never hear me lie and then the final appreciative i love that my new four things i would use to describe you is a survivor someone who learns from their mistakes that has the ability of self-identification self-awareness third inspirational and fourth and final original unique people like you only come around once in a lifetime so if you can yeah. find them, you fucking catch them like a fish. Yeah. A trophy. <laughs> or a trophy. Yeah. Sorry. I should have just said trophy. Guys, that is fucking it. I want to thank you so much for being a part of this episode. It was a very important episode to me because I finally got to interview my bitch. My one and only bitch. So thank you all so much for listening to the gay Bible. Again, if you like the show, leave a thumbs up, leave a good review, rate us at a five star. Keep coming back. Tell your friends and family about us. Probably not your family. Probably not your family. Definitely not your Definitely family. Definitely not your family. So thank you so much. And again, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Yes, we do.